Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. So Christian killers, while everyone's um, getting situated up here, I just want to introduce the topic because God has told us that he wants us to have what kind of life? Puny, pitiful life, always dragging on the ground life, or abundant life? Abundant life. Now let me read to you from John 10, 10. A lot of us know this scripture, but man, this is powerful. In the Amplified, it says, the thief comes to do what? To steal, to kill, to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life to the full, tell it overflows. Now we can all jump up and down on our chairs. Yay. Amen. High five each other. And then you look at your life and you think, I'm not really seeing a lot of abundant life happening. Well, here's the thing. It's not automatic. There's another scripture in Proverbs 4 that says, guard your heart with all diligence because out of the heart will flow the issues of life. So when we're talking about Christian killers, we're talking about those things that try and get into your heart, these sneaky, sly, lying little things that try and get into our hearts and make their homes there and really interrupt the flow of God in our lives. So we're talking about things like unforgiveness, talking about bitterness, offense, strife. What about things that, you know, Christians think are really okay? Worry, right? Fear. Those are actually killing Christians. So today, instead of myself and Pastor Joel telling you, telling on ourselves and all of the Christian killers that we've been fighting in our lives, we brought a panel of experts. So these guys are all ready to share with you today about some of the Christian killers that they have battled and gotten the victory over in their lives. So we're going to start on um, this. We're going to start on that end. Yeah, of course, because you got the mic. We don't want Jordan to throw up. Awesome. Well, what we're going to do is I'm going to just get you guys to introduce yourselves. Tell us who you are, um, how you got here, and um, we're not going to start timing you until you've done your introduction and you've said, the Christian killer I'm talking about today is... Now, just so the crowd knows, they are being timed on the timer up there. Um, you guys have... Down at the end, you guys have 10 minutes. So we're not going to have this like big, and a cane come out, um, but you will hear them wrap up and then we will move on to the next. So these are a wonderful couple. If you haven't got a chance to meet them, this is Aaron and Jillian Tallene. All right. So yeah, this is my beautiful wife, Jillian. Um, we were just, we, it was on our hearts to talk about um, marriage. It's something that we're pretty passionate about and our Christian killer. Well, first, yeah. do you want... who are you guys? Yeah. Got any little children? What's that? Got any children? Yeah. We got three kids. They're all down, uh, they're 12, 10, and 7. So they keep us, they keep us busy and lots of fun. And, uh, yeah, so we're, we're in the thick of life, like the busyness of work and raising a family and kids and activities and, you know, something going on every night running taxi service parent taxi service and stuff so that's kind of where the stage of life we're at um but yeah we we um we met when we were teenagers just uh we're yeah okay all right she's telling me what to say <laughs> our christian killer is our timer already went we're 15 seconds in i didn't say it guys Anyway, um, should I? A little hot here. Anyway, um, yeah, there's a little feedback here. Can you guys hear the feedback? Anyway, we um, met when we were teenagers, and uh, we were f really great friends for seven years before we started dating. So we went into marriage thinking, this is going to be great because we don't fight or we, we get along so well. And, you know. So anyway, our Christian killer that we were talking about is... is we, um, we had a really difficult first year, probably two years of our marriage. And um, that, I guess that's where... So we... we uh, she's a wonderful lady, though, honestly. 
get to the point, Aaron. Um, because, because we had known each other for so long and we got married, we weren't really expecting to have any major issues when we got married. And then, uh, yeah, it just kind of took us by storm. We didn't have, we didn't have a, a plan to deal with, with uh, problems. And so it, it kind of snowballed and kind of caught us off guard. Can I just say something? Yeah. Uh, I remember when we were dating, one of the statements I said a lot was, we'll never fight because we're such good friends. We're just, we get along so well. And I remember when we were dating and we're engaged, the Lord spoke to Aaron and said, don't worry, you're going to have an amazing marriage. And literally right after our honeymoon, it just hit the fan. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, like Aaron said, it completely took us by surprise because we didn't have a game plan for for conflict at all. And um, can I just go into the next point? I think the root the root of it though is how we we our upbringings. Aaron came from a totally different family than I did, and they dealt with conflict totally. Like if you could get polar opposite, that's the families that we come from. And so um, I came out swinging every time, and that's that's all I knew how to deal with conflict was conflict meant anger, and that's how you dealt with it. And Aaron was like a deer in headlights. He was like, who is this this girl that I married? And shoot, can we go back two months? So anyway, did you want to share an example? Well, yeah, it was just funny because when we were dating, we had this, I remember we were hanging out and just uh, talking at my grandma's house because that's where you hang out when you're dating. And... (laughs) When you're Christian. Yeah, when you're Christians. <laughs> and, um, and we were both teary because we were having this moment where we're like, oh, like, I just feel like you're God's gift to me. And how much, you know, it was a sincere moment, but looking back, it was, it was funny because it was like, I was feeling so blessed because I felt God was saying, Aaron, this, uh, I'm giving this woman as a gift to you. And I thought, wow, God must really love me if he's given me that like that's awesome right and then and we were having this moment and then like fast forward like three months later and we're like (laughs) you know and and so the the problem was like we just didn't none of us are exempt from uh, strife none of us are exempt from like having con conflict and we just didn't have a plan for it we weren't expecting we weren't expecting it. And then when it came, we were thinking, what is wrong with us? Like, there's something, we're not, we're, we're Christians. We should not be having arguments. We should not be, like, getting mad at each other, you know. And then you're dealing with condemnation and everything else. So, so um, long, like, fast forward another year after, like, going through a lot. We, were, we had moved to Calgary, and we were going to a church, and we... We uh, joined this marriage small group. We were like, oh, yeah, we need that. So we went. And it was life-changing because it gave us some tools and some plans to deal with what was going on in our marriage. Mm-hmm. Do you want to share that? Yeah. Like it, it got to the point where it was really confusing for me because I, I had liked Aaron for seven years before we got married. And, and then I literally was like, I don't know if we're going to last. I don't know if we're going to make it and um like aaron said that's very condemning because as a believer you just think that that's not going to be you that's not going to happen to you this isn't you're not going to fall into this place and then how do you get out of there right and so it was the lord that really led us to that small group and and some things that we um just some keys that we use that we didn't understand that got us out of the strife aaron and i were talking about those three things that um helped our marriage immensely is number one and i'd say that this is probably the biggest one is that um we we came to the understanding that we weren't each other's enemy that we had an enemy but it wasn't each other and um and he was outside of our marriage trying to get in because i think when you stand face to face it's really easy to point the finger and say you're the problem but then when you turn around and you have each other's backs 
you know you have an enemy. And so every conflict now that we've con gone through or every trial that we've gone through, we've chosen to stand back to back and say, even though I know that you've hurt me, I know there's an enemy and you're not him. And and not not allowing him to get in the middle of us. Um, do you want to talk about number two? Yeah, so the uh, the other thing that really helped us was to realize that conflict isn't a scary thing. Like conflict, on my side of it, I was... I, I didn't know what to do with conflict. Like, I did everything to avoid conflict. And and Jillian's version of conflict was like... Getting in the shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, we were in our first year of marriage. I can't even remember what happened, but she was mad at me for something. I think I was just home. I had to work late, and she didn't like that. And, um, and I told her, yeah, I'll be home in, like, a half an hour. And, like, two and a half hours later, I was home, you know? So she, anyway, I'm in the shower, and she comes in fully clothed, yelling at me with the shower, the water hitting her in the back of the head. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, you have lost your mind. And I'm just like, how, like, how did we get to this point? You know, like, uh, anyway, like, let's, whatever switch just went off. Let's turn that, the, let's turn that off the other way. Anyways, so like... And I grew up, my parents, I, they were like, if they fought, it was behind closed doors. I never saw it. So I almost was on the unhealthy side of conflict. I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know how to resolve conflict without, like, freaking out um, and getting scared, basically. And she didn't know how to resolve it without getting angry. So we had to learn, like, hey, conflict is actually a great thing. Oh, this is my daughter. She's going to hear stuff about our marriage. <laughs> Anyways, she, um, she, uh, or we had to realize that conflict was an opportunity to grow. And that, that helped us so much that it wasn't like, oh, great, here's conflict. Uh, it was a chance for us to like, okay, this is an opportunity to grow. And when we shifted our mindset on conflict, I was able to step up to the plate and deal with it without having a mini panic attack. And she was able to have conflict without, like, flipping to anger, like, immediately. And that really helped us. Mm -hmm. And then number three, um, the goal to, uh, to, that we came to the understanding that the goal of marriage is to find agreement. And that's, we didn't have that understanding. The goal of our marriage was to find who was right and who was wrong. And so now... If, you're, if your goal to every conflict is agreement, then there's an end to the conflict, that you, you fight for agreement instead of fighting for who's right, who's wrong. Because if that's the goal, then it just it snowballs into the next conflict, right? There's never a resolution to this conflict is so that we can come to an agreement and then get stronger and move to the next obstacle, the next growing stage of our marriage. So... Um, and one scripture that's really helped us is James 3.16. And he says, For where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. And so I think a lot of times we don't understand the um, severity of having strife in our home. And I've heard it described like letting go a poisonous snake in your home and just letting it live with you. And it's just, you tolerate it. You tolerate the poison in your home any moment it could bite you. And um, so Aaron and I's goal is always peace over everything. So I don't care if I feel that I'm right. I'd much rather peace in my home. I'd much rather humble myself and ask for forgiveness and, and be flexible than have um, no, no peace in our home. So, yeah, that's our story. Yeah, and the the point that I wanted to make was that strife strife has a plan to destroy our life, mm -hmm. and if if we don't have a plan to deal with strife, it will it will get its way in. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like like water to a roof in a house. You know, like a house, the whole structure of the house is built to keep water out and to keep the house dry. You don't accidentally waterproof the house and make sure the shingles are good, the siding is good and everything. 
you know, and if you don't, if that builder doesn't have a plan to keep the water out, it will, it will wreck the house. And strife is very much the same way. Like if you don't have a plan to keep it out, it will find its way in and it will, it will wreck your house. So you have to make, you have to have a plan to deal with it. It doesn't just happen by accident. That's so good. Man, I like that. Excellent. And I'm so glad you guys shared my favorite marriage story. Jumping in that shower, fully clothed. It's good. But fighting for agreement. Man, I haven't heard that before. That is so good. Excellent. Thank you, guys. Um, next, we have Julian Price, and his lovely wife was not able to be here because his family came to church last night because, of course, we got two services. But, Julian, can you tell us a little bit about your family and your background and how you ended up here at Impact Life Church? Yeah, so um, as Pastor Jamie said, I'm Julian. I have a wife, Kyla. We've been married for almost 19 years. We have two children, 15 and 12. And uh, I grew up in a Christian home. Fell away from the Lord in my teenage years, came back to the Lord, or I guess really um, rededicated my heart to the Lord when I was 22. And at that point, <clears throat> a lot of kind of things came back to me on sort of the, the call that God had on my life, and so I wanted to pursue that. So I went to Bible college and um, just pursued, um, I guess, a career or a calling in the ministry. And, um, and that, I guess, kind of led me to... Uh, to England, which I'll talk about in a second, but um, we've been here at Life or at Impact Life Church for just over a year, and I think one of the reasons why we chose to to call this church the place where we wanted to be was because of just the culture. We love the heartbeat, we love the community, um, and so we just really felt this was the place to be, and so here we are. And uh, so yeah, so I'll just share sort of my. Uh, I guess kind of like the last five years of, uh, of my journey and my family's journey. And so we were living in Sylvan Lake, um, and we had always had this kind of desire to move to England at some point. And so I was born there, and so it just seemed like, hey, this would be a great opportunity if something came up. And so an opportunity came up. And, um, and in that opportunity, lots of things took place. And so this morning, I want to just chat with you a little bit about disappointment. And so when we moved to England, we, we had this, we were going there to basically help revitalize a struggling church. And, uh, and, and so as a family moving to England, it was an amazing opportunity. We, we got to experience all sorts of things and definitely no regrets. We would do it again in a heartbeat. And if you ever have an opportunity to travel, take advantage of it. It's amazing. But on the other side of it, we were there to, to do ministry. And uh, what we found was that we went there with great anticipation, but because we wanted to see this church turn around. We wanted to see some really great things take place. And though there were some small victories along the way, um, it just didn't turn out how we hoped it would turn out. And I don't know if you're here this morning where you were doing something, you were pursuing something, and it just didn't work out and in that there was some disappointment and I think again we went there we we sold everything we got rid of everything and we just poured our whole lives into this move and it just wasn't working out so to speak and then what really sort of finished it off was that when we moved back and we felt it was time to move back we found out shortly after that the church had closed its doors and for us, again, it was like, why? Why did this happen? Why did you send us, Lord, all the way over to a different country uh, to just kind of pour our hearts and our lives into this thing, and then all of a sudden it just kind of not go anywhere, so to speak? And uh, so I was, I was frustrated when I was there, but I was straight up disappointed when I got back. And so we're talking about Christian killers and disappointment, and how, how it can derail you, how it can derail your faith. For me, I started doubting things, I started questioning things, I started just, like, in a sense, mistrusting God. I started, again, if you're, um, for me, again, it was like, 
I don't like labeling it this, but my career was ministry. And so now all of a sudden that's not working out. You start questioning your purpose. You start questioning all sorts of things. And that was really, really difficult. And so, um, so for me, disappointment was, came when I was pursuing a dream and it just didn't work out. For many of you, it might look different. It might be the loss of a job. It might be a child or a loved one walked away from God or believing, believing for something. Maybe you're believing for breakthrough or you're believing for healing and you're just not experiencing it yet. Maybe there was a sudden loss in your family or relationship breakdowns or marriage breakdowns. All of these things bring disappointment to our lives. And to be completely honest, some of those things to title them disappointment would be an understatement. I recognize the things that you may be working through that, are, that have been disappointing are way more crippling in a sense than maybe for me with just something not working out when I was pursuing a dream. I think a, a marriage breakdown is way more disappointing. Some of these things are way more disappointing than what I experienced, but at the same time, they're all dis, dif, um, disappointments. So there's varying degrees. But one thing I found with disappointment is that I think there are some sort of um, basic, not principles, so to speak, but just some, I guess, three things that God has kind of taught me over the last few years, I guess, of, of how to work through disappointment. And the first one was that was this, journey with others. And even last weekend, Blaine Bartel talked about it again, just the importance of community, the importance of doing life with one another, the importance of being there for one another. and. Uh, you know, I just found for myself was when I sort of was settling back into Canada, and that was a huge transition and a story on its own, um, with good intentions, we just wanted to just resettle and just kind of figure things out. But in that, I found that we isolated ourselves. And that was definitely a Christian killer for me not being able just to talk to others about how I was feeling and what was going on in my life. Another one I think is really important, so community, another one is letting God know where you're at. And I think God can handle our honesty. And I think it's really important that we also recognize that there's, there's a difference between questioning God and just asking God what's going on, right? And just coming to him, with humility, but just saying, God, why didn't this work out? Why, why was this so challenging? And God's given me answers, and, and it's been really good over the last number of years. Um, and I won't get into those right now. But uh, again, even in this, the song that we were singing tonight, was like, or this morning, his goodness is running after you. And again, I was reminded, and I probably listen to that song every day in my truck, and uh, I just love that song, but I was reminded again of his faithfulness and his, and his goodness, and how it is chasing after us yeah. it just it truly is and i think we we sometimes forget about that and and he really just does have such goodness for us the other one is holding on to his word and uh you know it's amazing how for me many sundays i was getting up and i was sharing god's word with people and often i wouldn't believe it for myself i was quick to believe it for others but hesitant to believe it for myself and uh and i just think God's really been speaking to me about believing his word for myself over the last, you know, again, couple of years. Um, reminded of Romans 8.28, and it says, So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. Another translation says, everything works together for the good of those who love God. And I just was reminded again for myself, I love him with all my heart. He has been so faithful in my life. He's not going to mess me around now, but he's going to show himself to me and he's going to just do incredible things. And so I found for myself is like, because I felt like the situation wasn't good, but he works all things for the good of those who love him. So if, it is, if you're in a moment where it's not good, he's, gonna, he's not finished yet. He's going to keep working on you so it will be good. And that's a guarantee because that's his word. And so the, la I, the last almost two years have been tough. The process has been a bit messy. And the reality is when you're working through disappointment as Christians, it's not always smooth sailing. It's going to be messy. It might be ugly. 
But I think when we continue just to lean into him, he's faithful to bring us through it and to show himself true in our lives. And uh, I guess a couple of things, for one, a couple of last things for me was that sometimes I get fixed on what I want to see instead of getting fixed on what he wants me to see. And that's not always easy to kind of figure out. But sometimes I know in England there was, there was a lot of things that I wanted to see it this way. And, uh, and I think God had other things that he wanted me to see. And he's definitely developed my character and who I am as a believer to this day. And, uh, and I guess the last thing, again, with this song that we sang again this morning, was just our job is to surrender to him to give him everything and to leave, leave the results to him. And I think sometimes that can be really, really difficult, but he is faithful and he is trustworthy. And uh, so don't let disappointment kind of get in because ultimately for me, especially in those last two years, it wasn't, I was, it wasn't necessarily running away from God. I wasn't out sinning, so to speak, but my relationship with him was just not where it was supposed to be. And that also affected how I how, how I kind of related to others in, in life as well. So if you sense or, or if you're here this morning and you're like, yeah, disappointment, that's something that I've experienced. I know Jamie will probably say this at the end, but we're going to be here um, to help, you know, maybe pray for you or talk with you. And uh, I'm here just to, to share whatever it would be that you would like. Oh, thank you very much, Julian. That's awesome. One thing I really appreciate that as a why person myself is that, you know, you may have whys, but it's always good to start here because you can look at the word and go, God is good. So I'm not sure why that or why that or why that, but I'm just going to start with, I know he's good. And I know that what it says in here is true. So I love that encouragement, Julian. That's awesome. We're glad that you're, that God drew you back. Maybe he brought you all the way back from England just for Impact Life Church. That's awesome. Well, this is Terry Williams. Terry is actually on our leadership team here at the church, um, overseeing worship, creative arts, and if you ever like the atmosphere here in the church in any way, that's her as well. So thank you for that, Terry. Uh, well, I'll, I'll share today with you on um, uh, offenses. Uh, how they can, they're a Christian killer. Um, they're a spirit-filled Christian killer. They're not, they're not um, a respecter of persons. They, offenses will kill anybody. So it's, you're not, you know, it's the, one, the curse that you can't quite be redeemed from. You actually have to make a choice not to be offended. So I'll just share a little bit of a story. Um, a few, well, a month or so ago, uh, we went, uh, our team went to a, a conference and one of the speakers there was just talking about, I'm a very visual person, so there was an object lesson, so then I get it right away. And, and they, were, they were just talking about how in their life, um, how things had come against them in the ministry and how it had typically been offense, like just being offended. And he, he just shared just this great analogy, and he said, if, um, if I said that this was poison and I told everybody that this was poison, Nobody, you know, everybody would probably stay away from it. It's, it's poison, right? But offenses will come after you and come around you and, and follow you. And they'll just try to put a little, little, little bit, if I can do it with my hand not shaking, um, in you, right? If this is you here, in you. And you have to choose not to drink that. You have to choose not to drink those. <laughs> um, and so it, it could be anything. It could be your spouse, which is always like, that's my situation usually. Um, <laughs> I was sharing last night. It feels weird to repeat a story because my kids always say, Mommy, you already told us that. And now I'm asked to tell the same story twice. <laughs> and it feels so wrong. <laughs> like I've said that already. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's just a little bit of, you know, it could be anything. It could be, I mean, working in the secular world, you have all kinds of chances to be offended. In church, you have a thousands of chances to be offended. Um, there's so many places, right? Driving, people can get offended. 
you know, in the mall, not getting the checkout lady just isn't do your thing fast enough. There's just so many areas, but it's, you know, the Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And sometimes it's the little things that we can't get over. So he's, he said, now he says, now if I, if I said, you know, drink this, um, he's, you can, you can turn and you can decide not to. But the crazy thing is that those offenses will actually follow you around and keep offering it to you. Hey, like it doesn't, it's just like you can just say no and it's gone forever. It's there when you wake up and it's there in the afternoon and the thought comes and you're still ticked right off. And you, and so I was like, amen, this was the best message. And he actually said, you know what you got to do? He says, you just got to, he says, you just got to pour it out. You just got to pour it out. And Mrs. Peterson isn't here, is she? Um, um, but, <laughs> oh, there she is. <laughs> Don't get offended. <laughs> you just got to pour it out. And sometimes you just got to keep. And th this works so good for me because I'm so visual. You just got to keep. Pour it out. And then he said, everybody say, pour it out. Pour it out. It's poison. Pour out the? Pour out the poison. So I was like, yes, amen. And typically I'm, I was like, that was such a good message. And I was like talking about it. And they were like, yeah, and I said, oh, it was so good. And I was like, I, I feel like I rate pretty high on not being offended. I live my life pretty, pretty, you know, good. Like, it's, I don't, I, and I said last night, I shouldn't have, but I did say, you know, I because <laughs> well, usually I just think, well, they don't know any better. They, like, they tried to offend me, but they didn't mean to do it. And so I just don't even bite. I just say, oh, Lord, you know, they didn't, they didn't mean to say that. They didn't realize it. So I usually think, well, I'm sitting pretty good. And then I go home. And I, sometimes I don't even make it up the third step. I don't even know how it happens. It's like supernatural. And I'll say, hey, babe. And it's just like blindsided by something so stupid. But this one particular time, right after this conference, I felt very justified. Uh, very, 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 very justified. He went on a business trip and I felt like I had every right to come along. And I mean, I mean, I was mad. Like, I was mad. And I remember the thought came. The thought came, D don't drink. Right? But it didn't come like that. It just thought, the thought came, don't let this get in. But I didn't remember the poison analogy. And, um, and you know, the Bible says, I set before you today life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. And we always wonder, like, yeah, duh. Like, why wouldn't you choose life? It's a multiple choice question. It's life. It's death. You choose life. But you know, in that moment, I, I knew that. And there was something that just went death. Like, why is it so hard to choose life when he tells you to choose life? Offense and strife get in and they trickle in. And it's like what you said, that it's poison and it gets in your home. And then the more I tasted it, the more I felt justified. And then I felt a little guilty that I felt so bad. So then I did a survey, you know, and I came and I was like, hey, you know, like, this is the deal. What would you do? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's, and it just, it, it was good. The, the advice I got was good, but I took what I wanted to hear and it fed it. It fed it some more. And I tell you by the end, I don't even know where I am in my notes, but I got to wrap this up. Um, but by the end, you know, Pastor Joel called me and he knew some things were going on in my life. And, uh, you know, I had gone to play at the piano and I'm, I worship quite a bit. I, I can honestly say I live a life of worship and I just didn't feel good when I went to worship. It just felt like there was just a ickiness and I just felt like there was a block, which I didn't anticipate when I drank the poison. And I mean, I drank it like I drank it. And uh, it felt good until the next day. And when Pastor Joel called me and he said, how are you doing? I was like, oh, I'm good. You know, because that's what we do. We lie, right? We lie. Uh, I love the way our church is becoming so transparent because, you know, they, it just doesn't help to lie. And he goes, are you really doing good? And I was like, I'm having a little bit of trouble. <laughs> and he said, why? I said, because I drank, Pastor Joel, I drank the poison. <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> I drank the poison, all of it, and then some. <laughs> And, you know, he, he laughed, you know, because he knew I knew to get right. He knew I, knew I knew what I needed to do. But, you know, we win or lose by the way we choose. We win or lose by the way we choose. And when they come in so 
you can, you feel so ju- I was justified. I'm telling you guys, I was right. There's not a person in this room, if I would tell you this situation, that you would not think I was completely right. And I was so wrong. Because what I did was I hindered the flow of God in my life. And I said last night that offenses are like blood clots. You know, you're, you're, you're developed to work in a body. This is a body. Okay. My flow, my flow affects this body. Okay. My flow affects this body. It affects what I'm called to do. And that offense acted like a blood clot. And it, it didn't just affect me. It stopped the flow in the body. And so when you realize that your call to something much bigger and much higher, there's a reason why God said, choose life. Because when there's a big, big test, when there's a big test, I'm not, and I said last night, not a little test, I'm saying something major. And when I think major tests, I think like a big university exam or something really, you know, intense like that, that you have to work. It just doesn't come easy that you just write, walk in and write it. You have worked at passing those tests and they come. Um, that's the level of life we want to live at because someone's li- lives are hanging in the balance. And our obedience and our, not just our obedience, but our willingness to stay blood clot free. Because it's not just because God wants us to, to not have strife. There's such a divine reason why he wants us to live like that. So, um, so yeah, you win or lose by the way you choose and um, choose life. Awesome. Terry, everyone say, don't drink the poison. Excellent. And our carpet will dry. So I am not offended at all that you dumped water on our carpet. All right. We've got Courtney and Jordan here. Let me just back up here. I want you to see these beautiful people. Um, our paths crossed only just recently. And preparing for this panel, Pastor Joel had these guys on his heart and said, I'm going to ask Jordan and Courtney. Little did we know, Jordan had just committed to the Lord. If someone asked me to share my story, I will say... Yes. Yes. So isn't that awesome when you do that? And you're so excited to be here. Um, tell us a little bit about who you guys are and your people, and um, then you guys can take it away. Okay. Well, my name is Jordan. This is my beautiful wife, Courtney. Uh, we have four kids. Three of them are, we have three beautiful girls and the boy. Um, they're all under the age of six, so it's a, it's a busy household. Um, my Christian killer was anxiety, fear, and a lack of confidence. And I put those three things in the, the same envelope um, in my life. You know, my early 20s, I had, you know, great success. I had a high-paying job, um, you know, for my age and things like that. My friends weren't at that level. You know, I was playing a high level of football. I put a lot of my confidence in my fitness level and things that I could control with my hands, you know, and not things that were out of my hands. Um, I turned 24. We got married uh, on May 28th. We were pregnant May 29th. <laughs> not literally, but uh, three months later, we were actually pregnant with our first. And that was a big surprise. Um, it wasn't planned. And all of a sudden, you know, you're a husband, you're a dad, you're a provider, and you're not really prepared for those things. You know, I mean, there's not a, a guideline to, to follow type thing. And so I think that was the first time I kind of started to deal with a little bit of anxiety in my life and things like that. We had an opportunity to go in business for ourselves. So we jumped on it. We were excited. We, and I wish I could say that it, you know, it went well, that everything worked out. It was an absolute grind. And when you're going from having a paycheck every two weeks to all of a sudden you're not knowing where your next paycheck's coming in, that can bring in some anxiety and fear and other issues as well, too. And uh, I, as a man, I was like, I'm just going to fix this. I'm going to work harder. Um, I took a part-time job. We were cleaning a restaurant before work, and I was working full-time. So I got absolutely burnt out. And my health got majorly affected. I ended up in emergency multiple times. Um, I went down to about 155 pounds. And everything that I put my confidence in was really gone. You know, we didn't have the finances that, you know, we had in the first part of our marriage. Um, I couldn't play sports because I was too sick. And, you know, it was the changing part came is when we, we transitioned out of that, the failed business. And I ended up getting a new sales job. And uh, I remember my first, you know, first year, I struggled mightily. I'd go into sales calls and 
I would be sick to my stomach, almost throwing up, and I could fake my way through the sales call, and I'd walk out and be sick for the rest of the day. And if you're in sales and you can't communicate to people, you're in big trouble. So, you know what? I remember I was sitting on a Saturday morning, and I was just thinking about Monday, Monday's coming, and I don't know if I can do this anymore, and I was just praying, and I was kind of crying out to the Lord. And my son came into the room, and I remember looking at my son, and I was like, oh, man, Jordan, you got to beat this. You cannot let your son you know, deal with these things. Like, it can't pass down. Like, it stops here. And I think um, that was a major, you know, turning point for us because I, and I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and was like, you know, it's, um, your eyes are focused on your circumstances that are in front of you. You know, your confidence is based on, you know, what you can do and how hard you can work. And you just need to fix your eyes on me. And I remember I was just like, you know what, Lord, I am going to put my confidence in you. I am not going to look at the circumstances. I'm not going to check the bank account right now. I am just going to put all my hope and all my trust in you. And, you know, where do you go from there? You have to stand in the word of God. And so I started studying scriptures on what the Bible said about, you know, what my, my rights are with anxiety and what he spoke about anxiety and, you know, having godly confidence and not living in fear, you know, and you have to, you have to have a mind switch because your thoughts, you know, there's triggers and you know, all of a sudden you can go back to those spots, but when you have something to war with it, and that was the word of God, it, I had something to go to battle with. And I literally wrote out my scriptures and one day I put my book on the ground and I stood on it. And I just declared things over myself, over my family. And I think that was where the, the change came for us. And you know, I, um, I would just say with the Word of God, you have to walk in it. Um, yeah, you know, we claimed it for our family, for our house. We came into agreement as well, too. You know, we, we, we stood on it, and we believed it. And that's where we got our victory in our lives. So. Lovely. I love That's you. So good. That was so good. Courtney, you take your time. You go for it. Okay. Um, so I battled some very similar stuff, I think, but I battled it before I met Jordan. Um, and for me, depression was really what I warred with. And I don't think I really ha ever had a season of my life where I would say that, you know, I fell away from the Lord or I walked in rebellion, but I definitely... If you didn't know me, you may have thought that because I wasn't walking in victory. I wasn't walking in uh, the anointing and the covering that, that I, I didn't really know how to operate in, right? Um, so my prayer kind of today, just for what I'm about to share, my heart really is that you would just get a glimpse of your father's heart today. Um, God's way is not the world's way. And we have to get that first and foremost. We're going to do things differently. If we want the promises of God to manifest in our lives, we cannot attain them by the world's methods. That doesn't mean that God is up there far away watching to see if you're going to follow the right steps to receive your freedom. He is right here, and he's committed to walking it out with you every step. And that's what I don't think... Um, uh, I think Julian said it, you know, I, I always knew that God loved me. I always knew that he was with me, but I really struggled with, it's up to me to attain this. I have to figure out how to receive this and receive that. I must be doing something wrong because I'm really struggling. Um, and so it was always me failing, me failing, me failing again and again and again. And, and God was just so good for having such patience and love for me, even though I'm such a failure. And that was just my mindset, right? Um, a scripture that always kind of stuck with me was Psalm 46, verse 10, that just says, Be still and know that I am God. Uh, and, you know, the word is alive. So every time you read it, it can just have new meaning. And that's one for me that every time I read it, I have a wow moment again. Um, but I, what really struck me years ago was it's be still, comma, and know that I am God. We have to create the opportunity for that deeper intimacy each time we read the word. If we are not still in his presence, we cannot know him in his fullness. And that is the key to walking in your freedom. You have to be still in his presence. Um, so I battled depression for most of my life. I felt completely overpowered by my emotions and my thoughts. That led to an eating disorder as a preteen, uh, and I ended up going on antidepressants uh, as a teenager, and that just kind of numbed me completely. 
I lived under the belief that I was powerless over these things, that they just controlled me, and when depression wanted to come, it would just have its way with me, and I had zero power over it. Um, I was told by doctors and counselors and friends that I trusted that depression and an eating disorder were just mental illness. There's no healing from this. There's just coping and managing your symptoms. You just have to learn to live the best you can. And I'm so grateful that I knew I knew God from a young age because there was a little voice inside of me that just kept saying, that's not true. I'm not living with this for the rest of my life. I can't live for, with this for the rest of my life. And so I just kept seeking and I kept seeking. Um, as an adult, the Lord just brought the right people into my life that taught me and challenged me. Uh, when I met Jordan, I was kind of forced to make some faith choices. I knew the word and I had good teaching now. But I had to make the choice whether or not I was going to act like I believed it. Um, so because I was struggling with that part a little bit, Jordan and I actually ended up breaking up for a little while. Uh, and that was a pivot point for me. I had to make my decision that, okay, you know what, I can't bring my baggage with me everywhere. I've got to let this go and decide I am healed. If God says it, I have to believe it. And, and I hadn't received that revelation yet. So I was newly dumped, very depressed. <laughs> and I decided this is not going to destroy me like everything else had leading up to that, right? I threw out all my medication, which I probably wouldn't advise someone else to do. Um, but I gathered up all my scriptures and I was determined that that was going to be my medicine. And every single morning, afternoon, Usually it was multiple times all throughout the day. I would run to my Bible when I was having a moment that I just thought I couldn't get through. Uh, and that became my medicine. Um, and I, it had to be because I needed something or else I was going to lose my mind at any given moment. So I would just run back to the word and, okay, I guess this is what it says. So I guess that's what I believe. Thank you, Lord, that that's true. I choose to believe that right now. Um, didn't feel it. Absolutely not. But verbalized it every time. Okay, thank you, God. I believe that now. Um, I also had to separate myself from a lot of people in relationships that didn't agree with what I was standing on. Uh, I had a lot of friends that would pity me, you know, and just, oh, this is mental illness. We need to raise awareness for people like you and, and get you the help. You And I thought, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, I don't want to be mentally ill. I don't want awareness. I want healing, right? And so I had to separate myself. Even though they were they were well-meaning, they, they thought they were loving me in that sense, but I wanted nothing to do with it. I wanted health. Um, so I had to separate myself. I had to guard what I watched and what I listened to. I had to completely immerse myself in the Word of God and hear nothing else for a season. Um, it was it was emergency mode, right? Um, Psalm 27, verse 8 says, You have said, Seek my face, inquire for and require my presence as your vital need. My heart says to you, Your face, your presence, Lord, will I seek, inquire for and require of necessity and on the authority of your word. That verse changed my life. Um, the first thing I wanted to share from that scripture is we seek him as a vital necessity. Blood is vital. Oxygen is vital. God has to be that vital in order for you to walk a free life. Um, you have to be vitally united with him. Every choice, this is what, what Terry was saying, every single choice you make is a life or a death choice every single one. And so I just feel like I need to say too, if there is anybody here that is facing the decision to go on medication or not, I'm not a doctor, but my God heals. And if we want to walk in freedom and health, we cannot do it the world's way. We cannot. Um, the other part of that scripture is seek him on the authority of his word. We don't get to claim his promises on our own terms. We must come before him on the authority of his word. Whatever his word has promised me can only manifest in his presence. I have to create the time and the space to be still in his presence. Uh, I heard a song not too long ago that just, to me, sums this all up and it'll wrap it up. Uh, Stephanie Gretchinger sings, Sometimes my very best is only my weakest yes. 
you see strength in every movement. Baby steps and short breaths, anything is progress. You sustain my every moment. You are my oxygen. You make me want to live again. I thought that just perfectly captures the heart of our Father. He's not asking you to do the impossible. He's not asking you to figure it out and get over it. He's right there with you saying, I'm everything you need. Just don't let go. Don't let go of me. Don't let go. So that's all I would say to anybody, no matter what you're battling, just stay in his presence. Mm. Yes, thank you. Awesome. That was so good, Courtney and Jordan. Thank you guys for being so honest and vulnerable. In fact, thank you to the whole panel. You know, it's not, um, these guys did fantastic. So you may think, wow, they probably do this all the time. It's not the easiest thing to get up here and to share these things that you've, that you've walked through. But I really want to thank you guys because we, we need to hear this as the church. We need to be vulnerable with one another. And like Julian was saying, we need community. And you know, it's hard to be, um, first of all, it's hard to be intimate with your heavenly father when you're not real with him, right? Because he will meet you where you're at, but he will not meet you where you pretend to be. And then secondly, it's hard to be walking in intimate community with one another when we're just blessed and highly favored wherever we go and we're not, you know, we're not real. Our feet aren't even touching the ground. So we want to encourage you. You don't have to go walk into the church and um, say, hey, guess what? Dealing with this. But we really encourage you to find someone that there, there are connections and relationships all over this church. And same with, um, your connection maybe at Saturday night church as well. So keep in mind, we got two services, but there is someone here for you. And that may be your next step is to start walking in some more intimate connection with some other, um, Christians. And honestly, there's, there's probably going to be someone who is further than you in their walk or just in life. And there's going to be someone who's coming up behind you. So I encourage you find someone that you can go to, to say, Hey, what, what did you do in this situation? And then I encourage you find someone else that you can turn around and say, Hey, Oh, you're a brand new Christian or you're, you're learning about healing for the first time. I went through that. Can I talk to you? I encourage you to do that. Cause that is the body. Amen. So the rest of this month is going to be continuing on these Christian killers. Um, Pastor Joel and I are actually taking our Sabbath and um, heading off on holidays tomorrow. So next weekend, Saturday night church, Pastor Sheila is going to be talking. And then Sunday morning, Pastor John and Ingrid are going to be up here sharing the pulpit, um, all talking about some more Christian killers. So we want to say thank you and release you guys from the, um, the panel. Let's say a big thank you again. It's amazing. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.